and welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode 82 for Thursday, June 18th, 2020. This week we welcome Jamie Bellavo of Bellavo Boys Racing, where the whole family seems to be involved. Over the past 10 years, he's driven as much as he's co-driven, most recently having sat alongside Louis uh, Tejera, uh, Texera, I, I always mess up his name. Anyways, a Wicked Nasty Motorsports. Uh, we chat about how he get, got involved in rallying, which seat he prefers, and what his plans are after we get done with this darn lockdown thing. Welcome to the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and I'm back with my co-host, who's been getting co-driver fit by riding his butt off, quite literally, Ian. Um, how many miles have you been doing the last few weeks? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm having my butt surgically reattached tomorrow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's that time of year. I did the uh, MS150 bike ride last weekend to uh, help raise money for multiple sclerosis and um i uh yes it was 150 miles and uh the cost the the ride was was cancelled in the physical sense because of the coronavirus business but everybody who entered pretty much rode 150 miles that weekend off their own backs and so uh I chose to, uh, on the first day, I uh, rode 112 miles, and on the second day, I rode 38 to uh, to round it off, because uh, I'd been looking at the weather forecast, and I'd, it's, it's, oh God, it's been so windy here in Minnesota. It, for the past few weeks, the wind has really been, really been getting up. And so I looked at the weather forecast, and it said that, like, Saturday, we were only going to, like, have, like, 15 15 mile an hour winds whereas on sunday we were going to have like maybe 20 to 25 mile an hour winds i mean who wants to ride 75 miles in into a uh, 25 mile an hour headwind oh hell no first of all the longest ride i've done is 50 miles and my ass hurt plenty after that um but that said um i will take hills that we have around here any day over wind yeah. Uh, wind yeah. is like just hitting a wall. Um, at least you get a reward at the end of uh, hitting a big hill. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What goes up, you at least get to go back down. The wind, yeah. yeah, you might get a tailwind, but then the wind can shift on you, and it's back to a headwind oh, again, so screw yeah, that. That's it. <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, I went out on the uh, Sunday, and yeah, I, I, I had to do like 38 miles that day, and I got to, uh, I got to my turnaround point, and... I was riding south, and so the wind was out of the east, and it was like it was a crosswind. Then I have never come across such a crosswind. I was riding on the shoulder of the road, and it's a good wide shoulder outside of Waconia. It's eight to ten feet wide, and a gust of wind got up and blew me clean across the shoulder. Wow! If I hadn't been riding on the white line, I would have been blown into a ditch. I never experienced a wind like that before. No, thanks. That doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so that was 150 miles for multiple sclerosis research in in the bag. And, Excellent. Uh, yeah, so it was it was good. But before we go any further, I've got to do a bit of an apology 
Do tell. Remember when we had Steve Jean Grass on last time, and he was Grass, yes, Grass, yes, and he was talking about the block laser truck. Yeah, the, yeah, with that Jim Cox drove. I got it. I got into such trouble after this because you know who the co-driver was of the block for te- for seven years. Scott Parrot. No boy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what got him interested in doing the uh, the rally truck then? I think so. Yeah, because he did actually buy one of Jim's old trucks, and that's that's the rally okay. truck now. So, so yeah. But uh, we've patched up our different patched up our. I've apologised to him. We've patched our relationship up, and uh, the rally <laughs> truck will be at the Jibway with me in the co-driver seat, and probably LSPR as well, sir. Nice, but yeah, nice. so I got to apologize to Scott for forgetting the fact that he was actually the co-driver of the block because that was one of the first vehicles I saw at Ojibwe, the red truck, and I thought because it had big cooling fans on the deck because on oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, the truck because it like desert so truck much. style, right? Yeah, because the radiator so, was in the back. Yeah, and so yeah. I thought, how cool is that? Yeah, I thought yeah, it was the coolest. It balances vehicle. the truck a little better too by putting the weight yeah. of the whole cooling system back there. And so yeah, yeah I should have totally remembered that because it's the coolest. <laughs> it was the coolest rally vehicle I'd seen. You know, so I was like, but yep. So I apologize to Scott, and everything's good now. The next thing we're gonna have is uh, Ian wanting to do desert truck stuff because uh, you keep <laughs> being interested in these trucks. You you need to go look at the desert Southwest, man. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, it would be, would be cool to do something like Baja, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be pretty epic, for sure. Yeah, maybe. I'll start. We'll start saving our pennies. Our guest coming up, Jamie Beliveau. Uh, I remember him a little bit. Honestly, I'll admit, I don't know him very well. But uh, I, I mostly remember, actually, that massive crash that, unfortunately, he had uh, at New England last year with uh, uh, Louis Texera. Um, again, probably butchering his name. We'll ask him the correct pronunciation. But uh, obviously, everybody came out of that okay. But uh, anyways, he's done lots of driving, lots of co-driving. Can't really decide on what he wants to do, it seems like, um, from looking at his past. <laughs> but really excited to talk to him. He reached out to us a while back saying, hey, how do people get on your uh, Rallycast podcast? So to all you out there, if uh, if you're interested in coming on and telling us some stories, you know, we're an open book. We we welcome anybody. We we like to hear from uh, competitors and fans from all types and uh, and whatnot. So, anyhow, without further ado, after this break, we'll be back with Jamie Beliveau. Go five right short over crest into second small crest forty full F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally, or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Hello and welcome back to the Rallycast. As I said in our intro, we have with us Jamie Beliveau of Beliveau Boys Racing. Did I, did I pronounce that right? Is that Beliveau? Yeah, you got that right. Yay! A pronunciation I did get right. <laughs> Jamie, welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> well, you know, we, we love having guests on, especially competitors, uh, fans, anybody. You know, we're just huge, passionate rally people. Uh, but, you know, the official opening of the Rallycast is this sound right here. 
because you know it's Awful the rally pub sound. the virtual rally pub right good. now Awful. in this case I, I do have to say that i'm going back to a classic one of the actually beginnings of the microbrew industry in portland and probably pretty much the country widmer hefeweizen the widmer brothers out of portland oregon perfect for the hot sunny weather 80 degrees today it's gonna be warm all weekend so there we go so what are y'all drinking you know let you go first all right okie doke i'll go first then uh yeah well i have a belgian triple from uh called thrice as nice from my favorite local brewery microbrewery enki over in uh, victoria <laughs> minnesota and it's this is a nice light refreshing sort of beer and i've just seen the can and just to see it says 9.8 percent on it so i might be, <laughs> He's the... Be, I off might the, be on the table Great. by the end of this this is gonna be a fun rally guest <laughs> yeah he might be in his own little world by the end oh i'm always in my own little world though <laughs> fair point Aren't fair point <laughs> what about you jamie I got some fine North Carolina H2O over here. I'm not too much of a drinker, but I don't mind having some beers at a rally to tell some after stories. Well, that's what we're all about here is stories. Um, but but what I want to know is how did it all begin? Because when I look up, you know, Bell of a Boys Racing, um, it, it seems like the whole darn family's involved here. So h- how did you get bit by the rally bug, man? Yeah, I definitely got bit by my dad's enthusiastic uh, attitude towards rally he started young did a couple for fun tsd rallies in his high school years but then as my mother and his relationship went on they did more and more tsd rallies and that's where i started was you know i was kindergarten elementary school age and he would take me out and we would go look for good roads to do tsd rallies and of course my job was count the animals we saw and dispute any and all dead end signs and make sure he checked out and <laughs> knew that they were dead ends that's brilliant uh, love it you know from there he in the early 2000s he started the scca rally cross program up in new england so i kind of started tagging along with those events throughout my middle school and into high school years and that was more the adrenaline that i was looking for at a young age so as I got my license, I switched from the navigator seat from TSD rallies to my own driving side for TSDs, formed my own team, which is what we now have Belba Boys Racing, and also moved into doing rallycross. And pretty much all through high school, didn't miss any events. That was my biggest passion. So what was the first stage rally then? So 2010, I had been working part-time at Timo, kind of doing some tires, doing some car prep, and even a little bit of winter driving classes as an instructor. And the opportunity arose to drive their older Mark II Volkswagen Golf for the Team O'Neill regional rally back then when there was regional events. So kind of home event, easy access, and the opportunity was there. And then went on to do 2011 STPR with the same car because it had been spoken for for NEFR at that point. And it was kind of the the Team O'Neill instructor car for a little bit. We all hopped around in it. Well, uh, hang on. I think we should, like, stop you here and just, like, mention that in your first rally then, Team O'Neill rally in 2010, in your first event, you finished first in Class G2. 
Yep, first in class G2, and I think it was seventh overall. You know, I was that was the first big chance to get my blood boiling behind the wheel of a stage car, and I just wanted to finish. So I remember very vividly back then we were running the neighbor's property too, and we called that Mini Pikes Peak because it was just switchbacks down into the neighbor's gravel roads, and then it became like Finland almost, wide uh-huh. open really wide so i just remember coming up those hairpins and passing my competitor and just thinking hey we just gotta finish and we're in it now i also see in a lot of this is that uh scott is that your brother that uh co-drives for you nope scott's my father so your dad okay yep and then my brother michael has done some co-driving for me too most of the time you see scott or jessica my wife in the co-driver seat for me Mm-hmm. And then my brother and I will kind of mix it in with my father when I'm not driving. And then at the same time, we've also seen you co-drive sometimes. Yes, I definitely like to get around from the drivers and co-driver side of things. It's one of those, if I don't plan on driving, but I think I can get time off, I will try and find a seat to fill. And there's been a few times where I've actually been offered someone else's vehicle to drive before we had our Volkswagen. I drove... Um, a Nissan rally truck from over here on the East Coast. That was a blast. But uh, so obviously you've done driving, you've done co-driving. It looks like almost equal amounts. Um, you know, look at the stats, like you've done 15 of one, like 13 of the other. Uh, do you have a preference or just you want to just get in a car and go fast sliding on gravel? And whichever <laughs> seat doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I definitely have a preference. I am a driver at heart. I'll always choose that seat if it's available. Mm-hmm. New England's home. Um, you know, you mentioned the kind of Finland-esque kind of stuff. Uh, that, of course, makes me think of Concord Pond and that stage. Uh, give us give us some memories of tackling that then, because that, when you go flat out on, I mean, heck, just recce speed is exciting enough, let alone going flat out on uh, Concord Pond. Concord Pond's always been a favorite of mine, but at the same time, it's been one of those stages I've had to earn. I think I've got a 50-50 rate for getting to and through Concord Pound doesn't matter if I'm in the co-driver's seat or the driver's seat. We've had some electrical gremlins that kept us from getting there, uh, mechanicals and one slide off. But for the most part, when we run it, I love the big jumps and I love the mid-corner sweeping jumps. It's just definitely a favorite for a New England home rally. Ian, you were about to say something. <laughs> I like that. You know, I talk so much, and I try to leave a gap for him. Like, here's an opportunity, Ian. Go for yeah, it. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was that was the beer. I was just taking a drink. I was thinking, oh, Mike's going to be talking for ages yet. And oh, jeez. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking. It's like you, you've so you've been in the co-driver's seat. You do the drive, but you prefer the driving. I mean, it's like, so you've done, so you've done both. Does this make you any more understanding as a driver if uh, to be to be more considerate of the co-driver, think, thinking, you know, what they're, you know, what they're going through? Yeah, I think it helps from both sides of the car, really. When I'm driving, I focus more on the co-driver now that I've done some of the higher speed co-driving, you know, getting in with Lewis Texera, We've got fast cars now, much faster than what I was used to. So I've learned that my notes need to be 
a whole new level. But at the same time, that brought my notes for when I'm driving also to those levels so I can try and commit with my little Mark II or Mark III Golf. Yeah, so it's like also it's like I wanted to get back to this uh, this TSD business because you talked about doing TSDs with your with starting off in TSDs and it's like you're doing you were doing TSDs with your wife. Now, strangely, that's how I got started. I started doing TSDs and I ran doing TSDs with my wife and we always used to joke with people that if you wanted to have a test of your relationship you should go and do a TSD with with your with your wife <laughs> i couldn't agree more yeah cuz it's there it's it's all about communication and it's all about keeping calm so it's uh, I, I think yeah i think our, my wife and i we we definitely benefited from from doing that uh, on a, on a on a personal level but it was yeah it's it was great it's great to have something like that to share isn't it it is you know the first TSD rally I threw her into was John Buffum's All Night Vermont Winter event, which is typically a no... I was just no... going to ask about that, because you have the most epic of TSDs in the country right there. Yeah, we, you know, that's just a classic event. I've done it since I was 16, because that was one of the closest things I could do to stage rallying at the time. Back then, we were still pushing speed limits on that event it's a little more tame now and it's not all through the night but it's still the classic buffum and it's hard to reenact i held a tsd event in new england last this march and my original goal was to be a brisk all-night event and i had to bail on that use the same route but make it a starting at noon finishing late because it's just hard to do all night in back roads and have somewhere to finish in mm-hmm. the middle of the morning yeah, yeah, I've, I've been through that myself. With the, the, there's, uh, we used to have a uh, summer solstice rally here in TSD rally here in Minnesota. On the, it was would be on the longest, shortest day, longest day of the year. We would go through. We were, we would start basically as the pubs were chucking out, but not that we were at a pub, mind you. But yeah, we'd start. <laughs> we'd start late at night, and then we drove through the night. And fi- we would find a place to have breakfast at as the finish point. And yet, dry- rally- TSD rallying through the night is its something quite remarkable. It's something, it's something quite, I mean, TSD rallying during, during the day is cool, but at like four o'clock in the morning, when you're trying to stay awake and follow the instructions, it's... It's, it's it's something else. It really is. And it's like, um, I don't know as many people actually have that experience. Uh, I agree with everything in that experience. It, it's just a, a whole new level of confusion at 4 a.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially when, especially when you hit a deer as well. That, that, that's happened to me, too. We've, we've like hit a deer at like about 4.30 in the morning when the sun is just just coming up and that like throws you into like a total new level of confusion as well and you've got to concentrate on you've got to get your mind straight and you've got to get back on speed to get to the final control so that so that you don't lose too many points yeah it's night i i really really like night rallies and i really really like night tsds I think they're definitely the way to go for the younger 
people that want to get a little more brisk and not just go up for a sightseeing adventure. I think 4.30, you said, is about when you hit the deer, and that's normally about when I stuff it in a snowbank during Buffum's event. So, <laughs> Well, for those that don't know Buffum's event, uh, kind of give us a description of what his TSD is like, his uh, winter TSD, which is just so famed. Uh, nowadays, it starts right about when the sun starts going down a little earlier, and it runs to 2.30 in the morning, if I remember from this year. And he's always got a good mixture of um, written instructions. He uses a map section, which he's done for years, but always throws everybody off. And this year was a compass section, Ooh. and that was the big tricky gotcha for a lot of us. And I will admit, wow. me and my father, Scott, had to send it across that. We had to skip a section because it was just too difficult. Wow, and I have problems with trap rallies, you know. It's like, no, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to cope with a with a uh, compass rally. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, it worked for some people, and they had a blast. And uh -huh. I think I'd definitely try the compass attempt again, but not yeah. a whole rally. And he only had it one small chunk. He did he did a good uh, way to test it out. Yeah, I say that. Yeah, this is the great thing about TSDs and why it's so good for co-drivers. It's like there's so many different ways that a TSD can be organized, whether it's whether it's just your straightforward tulips or is a trap rally or you can use use uh, herringbones for the uh, for, for the route description or, or what. There's so many different ways that you can that you can organize you can put across the instructions so it really does work well for a co-driver to keep the, their mind awake and and it all translates up into stage rally because a, a co-driver has always got to be on the ball exactly and the one thing i see a lot of benefit from my tsd days is i don't worry so much about if we've got the rally computers in the stage rally cars at this point because we only use them on transit Mm -hmm. um, and I've been doing the time calculations since you know 14 on yeah. long to get places so I just start my watch and can do it on the fly yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's, that's something I can't I'm, I'm relying on like calculators and stuff like that all the time me but uh, anybody anybody with a proper all these guys would like the proper TSD history and that those guys that, that can work work it all in their heads even with like a change of speed I have like the the greatest admiration for those guys I still need to do one at some point I know I know mm -hmm. I'll get there <laughs> uh -huh. do one do one with do one with your wife Mike I agree mm -hmm. I'll, I'll try and get her involved it's been it's been a struggle um, yeah. <laughs> she's been like you know this rally thing that's your passion that's your thing and she's got her hobbies so i don't know I, it's like one of those things like I, I would love to get her more involved but at the same time she also likes me having my own separate things so uh -huh. which is all good you know but uh then again you know it's what's funny though is as when she gets behind the wheel like you know little simple thing we just went and got new tires for her car and you know factory tires are just they're crap. I mean, come on. Um, and even though these are an all-season, I still got it. It's just a much better quality all-season tire. Uh, really kind of geared more towards summer than it is anything else. And uh, some new Yokohamas. 
and she's like, I could take that turn so much faster now, and all that, and like, uh-huh, so there we go, setting the hook, you know, she, 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 she likes driving, she's the one that chose to get a stick shift, I taught her how to drive on a stick, so, uh, you know, I, I want to get her more involved in kind of that driving stuff, but I got to give her a little push, so. Yeah, they, I, mean, I mean, and then there is the simple fact of, like, scoring a zero on oh, a control. Oh, so I mean, it's like it took. Wife and I went out on our no first, penalties at all, huh? No penalties. Now, first, our first road rally TSD was the summer salt. Was um, it's it's on the driftless roads in Wisconsin. I forget the name of it. It was our first rally. We took uh my seventy six MGB out. We had no, at the start of the event. We had no idea what we were doing, and we were like minutes off at like the first. The, at the first controls and then all the way through the event we were like minutes off and then we got down to like half a minute off and at the last control we scored a zero i mean we high-fived ourselves i mean it was <laughs> it's so cool it's so exciting when you do that because it, it it's, it's a teamwork thing you know that's that's it that's it i mean i get excited thinking about it now to be honest yeah, remembering how we felt when we scored that first zero. That was so, so cool. You know, I've always been a, a lead foot, so my navigators tend to not even recommend taking time allowances. So when we get those zeros, they're even more mm -hmm. well-earned because normally there's been some brisk moments to gain them. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down, damn it. <laughs> Some of our best Belleville boys racing stories comes from the years of both boys were doing TSD events while my older brother drove my dad's truck and he was not at it. And I may have hit a jump a little sideways into him. But no, have, dad, huh? was not, dad was not worried one bit when he came up the street that night and found us banging dents out of the truck. <laughs> he might have gotten a call something along the lines of something happened but no one got hurt nice i love it i love it seems like the uh Bellavo boys are involved in all kinds of motorsports you know i've branched out over the past year or two trying to get into the dirt bikes and two-wheeled adventures i did a few enduro events on a two-stroke ktm and then I've got a KTM 690 that I bought kind of as my dream rally moto bike. And I've done Sandblast. It didn't end so well. Mm -hmm. I did that last year, and I had yeah. a, a big wreck yeah. with some scary back bending that led to just a lot of soreness for a few months. But Ow. we're wow. hoping after COVID passes and maybe next year I can – now that we're down in North Carolina, we're a lot closer to the Rally Moto events, so I'd like to get back to that. So it gives you a little bit of a feel of what like kind of the Dakar kind of stuff is, where you're just doing miles and miles all on, on the motorbike and trying to figure out navigation at the same time? Yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to chase was just to try that. You know, I've always liked going brisk on the back roads, and then adding the rally aspect into it seemed fun. Yeah, because I saw I saw the uh, pictures of of you at uh, at Sandblast there, so I, w I wondered if I, there's there's no end to what to what you'll have a go at basically in the uh, motorsport world. 
I think we'll try anything once if the opportunity arises. You know, I've, <laughs> I've always thought of doing some of the desert stuff if the opportunity shows up, and we'll see where we get a long journey in front of us, especially with another generation now. You know, if he chooses to go into the racing side of things, we'll definitely do what we can to help him go wherever. If that involves me going with him, well, that's even better. So you're saying you're uh, down there in uh, the Carolinas now? Yeah, we moved to North Carolina, my wife, my son Xander, and I, back in March. So that's close to an event that unfortunately didn't happen yet this year, but you got a brand new uh, Bristol Forest Rally that's going to be uh, in uh, in Tennessee, but um, that sounds like definitely one that would be more in your area. I'm guessing uh, you're looking forward to that one to uh, kick off next year. I am, and that's one of the events I think I might try and hit up on the Rally Moto side. You know, the the car is still located in New Hampshire, being a family team, and we spread it out, and having both Mike and Scott up there, they can get a little more done and a little more room to work, too, than my current rental house in a nice community, which probably wouldn't like me banging on hammers and wrenches till all hours of the night. <laughs> very true, very Not true. Not that I'm against doing it if it's needed, but... So what have you been doing during this uh, lockdown period that's uh, to keep your enthusiasm fired up? Well, a lot of the teams have turned to the sim racing. Dirt Rally 2.0 has become bigger and better these days. And I've spent a lot of time playing with I think I've been playing with uh, Mike as well, but playing with several teams. And the other thing I've been working on is there's not a lot of back roads near me, but I do try and get out once a week to some back roads and think in my mind notes and start training myself to write my own notes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Have you done much of your own notes before? Um, Scott and I, uh, STPR, my father, have written notes for waste management stages because we just they're just too crazy and it's easier to write our own. And then at NEFR one year, we wrote one stage of our own to try and start testing it out. But from this point on, I've decided when I'm driving, I'm going to write from scratch. It'll kind of tame some of my driving down that I think is causing my mechanical issues I'm having when I drive. And it'll also eventually build some more confidence in the note system that I make. Mm-hmm. But working with, Lewis Texera and the Wicked Nasty Car, we've also chosen to go forward writing our own. This is kind of a refresher year, new car, new notes, new event, starting from scratch. So this is going to like uh, cross over from one to the other. What you're going to learn making notes with uh, Lewis, you'll be able to take into, into your car. Yeah, you know. That's something that I like that we're both doing it at the same time because I think it'll be beneficial for both of us. You know, if something works for me, I can we can talk about it with him, and if he likes it, then we've got similarities in our systems, and that'll make it easy too. New England, unfortunately, <laughs> you can't get redemption there this year because it's uh, now off the calendar. Yeah, I was kind of bummed to see most of the New England schedule got wiped with COVID, but it is what needs to happen, I think, and we're all going to get back to racing next year. But Southern Ohio with Lewis will be next for me, and then we're going to try and make 
STPR later this year if that happened as well. Mm-hmm. So, oh. I, 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 go ahead. No, I was just going to say that uh, I, don't, I don't know what the uh, the Southern Ohio rat roads are going to be this this year, but I mean, no, you, you didn't look at the SUPS yet. No, well, I'm not going. So oh, come on, we do news here, man. <laughs> do your homework. Like <laughs> they do. That they, they are great roads out there in Southern Ohio. That's the thing. That's that's what. That's basically what I was gonna going to say before you cut me off. I mean, those, those really are those really are great roads in Southern Ohio. I'd love to be doing those again, but uh, it's a 14, 15, 16 hour haul for the to get the. Uh, the rally truck out there but uh they'll be fun roads so yeah two roads they're gonna do uh the same direction i guess uh most of it at night and uh, i love the names though top gun south and middle earth east <laughs> uh, that's clever i like it um but yeah uh it's gonna be i guess first stage starts uh, about seven thirty in the evening and then you're running until I guess the uh, FTC is going to be at two, about two forty, uh, in the morning. So this will be like your uh, TSDs. You know, I'm actually looking forward to the all night aspect. I've only gotten a few night stages in when things get dusk at other events, and I think night stages are part of rally heritage, and we need yeah. more of. So if this is what comes from COVID, is we get a full night rally, I think it's good. It's going to help bring out the drivers that can commit to their notes. It's going to show what drivers are more driving the tree lines. We might see some changes at the the top of the podium for the private teams, I think. I like the way you're thinking on that. Yeah, I mean, I love... I love night rallies. I mean, there isn't isn't enough night, night rallying out there i mean i remember it wasn't so many years ago that uh that we were finishing um ojibwe in the in the wee small hours of the morning and the 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 night the night stages were just great but uh yeah it's it's maybe it's a gone a gone phase now and perhaps we have to have everything during the hours of daylight i don't know you know, from an organizer standpoint, it's harder to get volunteers oh, yeah. for the night. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably one of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, they're doing something very interesting with Southern Ohio. This kind of kind of yeah. goes into the news thing. And so uh, mm-hmm. I was going to bring this up. So they're going to be using Easy Track as the actual timing for the rally. But the co-driver is expected to keep track of the times as well themselves. And But you will not be exchanging a time card with a any of the controls so there's no touching and i think i read we're doing vocal verification of times at time control of the, of the minute yes so you, okay. you'll know the whole minute um so there'll be a vocal of that um as far as you know specific seconds or whatever yet yeah, they're, they're, I, I don't think they're going to go that far it sounds like it's just the whole minute uh just so you can have the right time so you can calculate your transits yep that's that's what I had read too. So it's different, you know. We're we're making this work so we can get out the play. That's what matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting. If if you're like uh, coming into the stage finish, at like clo- approaching the top of the minute, and you're and I mean I'm bad at this. It's like 
I'll be I'll be like a second or two late on hitting my uh, hitting this stop on the stopwatch, and so it's like uh, maybe I'll go in. Maybe my real time is like thirteen fifty nine, and I've I've hit the uh, stopwatch at like fourteen oh one. You know, I maybe lost. Like maybe there's a there's a minute for me to consider there in the uh, in the timing. So I don't. You really would have to be on the ball there with your with your timekeeping as a co-driver. Way to put the pressure on me. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't like pressure. <laughs> I, I think that's. It just presents a new challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I find it actually really kind of fascinating. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, if you didn't have to have as many crew, I guess, out there to do this kind of thing, I mean, you're still going to have to have a stop control. Um, you're still going to have somebody probably doing, uh, I would think they're still going to have somebody maybe recording a time with a time clock, just as double verification or something into a log sheet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in case something is contested, but dang, this just kind of just makes it different. And huh, I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm excited to see how this turns out. I hope it yeah. goes well. I really hope it goes well. Um, I know the easy track stuff has been upgraded and so, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. But, uh, yeah, Southern Ohio. Um, So one of the other things I was going to bring up with that event is, you know, talking about how, you know, the whole championship is kind of changing now with the COVID thing. So kind of good segue, I guess, in talking about the championship. We've got how many entries so far? I think I was hearing it was like something like 60 were already in there. Uh, Although right now, if you look it up, it shows 36. But that's all the nationals. So they haven't shown the regionals that I think just started entering today. Mm -hmm. But uh, 36 national entries. I'm guessing you you entered as regional or national? Uh, We're running regional this year. Okay. Well, it's your shakedown, as you were saying. So Mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense. Yep. But uh, Yeah, I think there there was a lot of people that were like worried that the national guys were going to snap snap up all the entries. So regional guys were going to have to enter as national just to make sure that they got in. But uh, it looks like there's plenty of spaces left. There's plenty of spaces for the uh, regional guys to get in. I think something that helped with that was there's a lot of national teams that didn't see it worth the haul being mm-hmm. less models. But I, yeah. I could see some of the regional teams that have been looking for an opportunity to play. I know New England, we're all itching to play, and we just had all our events canceled for the year. So they were all hoping to make it in, and I'm pretty certain most of us have. Yeah. You know, they, they, so the different thing they did for registration here was national entrance got to enter a day early, 24 hours earlier than regionals. Do you think that's fair? I'm okay with it because right now that is a national event and I understand the national series is the bigger one, but what I think needs to come out of some of what we were seeing before COVID and these massive entry lists is maybe regions need to start looking into regional events or making more of them more. Yeah. More just regional events like, you know, the late SCCA or even rally America started doing it. Or even looking at the SCCA rally sprints. I mean, we New England host a few every year. We're kind of lucky that we've got Team O'Neill right there, and they love hosting us. But the there's ways of making those happen without Team O'Neill's land. You just need to mm-hmm. source land, and I know it can be found. So I think that's a good way to get people out on the stages at a low budget. 
daily event too. Yep. Would uh, Rally Sprint though meet the standards of a regional event? Um, Mileage-wise, I'd have to look at the rules to see what they're yeah. calling for. I know the events that we do at TMO are pretty close to the mileage that we used to run for like the TMO regional that I did my first event or a day of one day regional at New England Forest. So I think it's worth it to bring more of those events on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just remember that, you know, looking at the, at least the SCCA standards for what was yeah. the rally sprint and there was uh, a maximum speed there was uh, a different, like a bolt-in cage was allowed, some other things that wouldn't meet the standards of a stage rally. And so I'm like, eh, does that count then? But I guess it depends on... I get, I get what you're saying there, yeah. Yeah, so I think it depends on, I guess, how, how the rulemaking, I guess, of it. Do you run it as the rules of a regional, even though it's technically a sprint-length stage, you just mm. do more runs of it or something maybe that's what's okay but yeah i guess the only that's the thing that kind of concerned me is like you can't really compare the two if you're running under yeah. a different rule set mm-hmm. anyway but uh but yeah i agree yeah more more events uh definitely would help i think with some of that onslaught mm-hmm. of entries that we've been seeing yeah. for sure um but you know again from my standpoint of just you know thinking of the media and things like that and 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 a championship as a whole I, I like the idea of the 24 hours before. First of all, I like that they were clear about what they were going to do, right? Yep. Um, I think that was the big fallout from 100 Acre Wood is mm-hmm. they didn't expect it, and they didn't have a plan in advance, and then they kind of came up with something at the end, and then f- people f- felt burned. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with this, it's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Yes, we give a preference to the national guys. Well, A, they're paying more money they you know from an organizer standpoint it's like yay <laughs> we like that um yeah. you know so that definitely helps they also bring in you know or, or they're going for a championship they're going for points that can work towards a championship yeah. whereas if they miss out on an entry because of a bunch of regionals going in now they could lose the entire championship because of yeah. that and they didn't even get the opportunity so i so that's why i, I favor this personally mm-hmm. um regional people entering as national uh, yeah, I guess if you want to. I mean, if you're that desperate. If you're that desperate, yeah. Um, I think, I think the big test of this system is going to come at somewhere like a Jibway, because, like Jamie just said, you know, are a lot of teams going to make the trek for just basically an overnight one day rally? I mean, and the big thing is going to come at a Jibway when you've got like a two day rally. And are that 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 how many national guys are going to sign up in that first twenty four hours, and uh, are they going to leave any crumbs left for for regional guys to enter? So so yeah, I guess that that's a that's a tough one. I mean, yeah, you're right. There's uh, going to be a lot of people going in for those slots there, but. I don't know. I, I, I think this is probably, as far as systems go, this is a good system. And yeah. I think they need to just make sure that they also have their plan in place and notified to everybody what the, mm-hmm. if it goes yeah. over, what the response is. Meaning that, um, you know, how they select out of, let's say they are able to, so they say, let's say it's 65 maximum entries or whatever, and you get 75. Um, 
then they find out they can add five more because they find more space for a service park. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do you decide out of those extra ten what who's going to get those five? Is it going to be just who entered first? Um, or is there some other thing where, like, well, this person, you know, entered the same day and as the other person that's a regional, and but their their points are, you know, going towards a regional championship. The other person, it's their first time. Mm. How are you going to prioritize that? Gosh, this is going to be that's, – that's the kind of thing that's going to be tough, isn't it? And this is where we really need a proper a proper regional system to back up a national championship. I mean, yeah, I have no problem with national championships taking taking precedence. But, I mean, there's a lot of regional guys out there who want to enter, who want to run rally, and you've got to give them the chance. Yep. I think rally is a sport that we're in another high peak of. Mm-hmm. But without the regional guys that are coming to play, we don't have those high peaks, and there's yeah. no one to keep building the sport. The big names will come and go, and they always have. So if it means that we're filling national events, then we need to have standalone regional events to keep us coming back, too. Yeah. That's the only way I see it happening. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of people out there that have the the knowledge that can help make those regional events happen. I know I'm looking into ways of doing something down here in the Carolina, Georgia area. I just... Mm -hmm need time and got to get used to the area more events more people to come out and play that's the way i see it that's the, and that's that's the way it should be that's, this is what we want we want more people coming in so we can have more events so we can grow the sport i mean it's uh it's a great problem to have isn't it it is really <laughs> definitely um so uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, national championship a little bit, I guess, because obviously things have changed quite a bit now. Um, Oregon Trail Rally canceled, you know, 100 Acre Wood tra- canceled, New England Forest Rally canceled. So now we're down to, we've had, what, one event so far, Snowdrift, and they're going to have Southern Ohio, which is just going to be a one day, Ojibwe, which is hopefully going to be the same, STPR. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully kind of doing show me rally as a national, um, basically like it would be a hundred acre wood 2.0 LSPR, then Olympus coming back again, but Olympus being a one day event also. Uh, well, actually, I don't, I think that's incorrect. I think they put this wrong on the schedule. Cause I think they're, uh, they're going to make that a two day event. And what was tour de forest is going to become a test day anyway. But so we've got fewer events this year, but obviously with this COVID-19 thing, I guess what I wanted to bring up is how legitimate of a championship it is if people have issues potentially traveling to these events. I think that's no different than the teams that struggle to come up with the funding for the further draws. You know, it's going to, to be a national team, you need to show your, Mm -hmm. you know, and if, COVID what held you back? Well, unfortunately, that sucks, but next year might be your year. Don't mm-hmm. let COVID hold you back. Yeah. You know, if, if it's physically something you just cannot travel or you have family that's affecting, it's understandable. No one in the racing world is going to look down on you for it. No. Nope. But use it as a reason to fight harder next year and really earn it if mm-hmm. that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if the ARA says it's like 
a legitimate championship, then it's a legitimate championship. And uh, yeah, you sh- nobody should feel left out because they can't because they're putting their because they're putting their family first. You know, that's the thing. It's like Scott and I are not running the rally truck at uh, CUP this year because Scott has uh, a quarantine regulation in place with the company that he works for. You know, if he leaves, if he leaves the state, he has to quarantine when he comes back. So, you know, you've got to put yourself first in, in, in all these situations. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure the ARA guys, they've looked at this and they've said that this is, this is the best way that we can make this work. Mm-hmm. And that's what it'll be. And yeah, cause these are utterly strange times. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Jamie, but I, I, there are times in this rally season when, when, I felt totally lost. You know, I don't have anything to prepare for. You know, I I get my um, co-pilot rally watch out and I put the new battery in and I'm thinking, how the hell do I work this thing? Yeah, I'm just, there's, there's a huge gap in my life. I, I've noticed it a little, but I will say with this move and new jobs down mm-hmm. here and and having a seven-month-old baby in the house, yeah, it's gone by pretty quick, and mm-hmm. life was pretty normal down here, so I haven't noticed too much. Ah. Oh, Just have gonna... a very strong itch for racing at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the part that I was kind of steering towards is, um, I guess, certain things. That, and actually, I was really impressed to see uh, that Brandon Semenuk is actually on the uh, entry list. Now, I believe, though, he has a place in California, he lives in as well as uh, his place that he's got up in uh, Canada. Um, so maybe that's why he's able to just stay stateside. Um, but it's that cross border stuff, I guess I was thinking <laughs> of. Like, if you look at the entry list, like it says Travis Pastrana, co driver, John Buffum. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey I, I can do that. I can do that. job. <laughs> you know, and for Brandon Semenuk, also John Buffum. And so, you know, like John Hall is normally Brandon's, uh, you know, co driver. And he's, you know, up in Canada. They have that same border uh, lockdown. And uh, equally, uh, uh, when we're trying to get um, Travis's co-driver in there, Robbie, he's from over there in Britain. And they have some rules. Robbie and I got on really well in that last podcast that we did with him. You know, perhaps he can put (laughs) in a good word for me. (laughs) So with Robbie on lockdown, potentially, you know, and the border lockdown stuff, I mean, yeah, he would... He could probably come over here pretty easily, but going back, there is a a 14 day quarantine traveling in the UK. Exactly. Canada as well. So So that's where I'm like thinking, well, how do we have some legitimacy here? Uh, Dave Wallingford, you know, because Leanne's normally his co driver. Mm -hmm. He's got no co driver listed. Um, So maybe if you're a co driver and you're good, um, you need to start putting in applications real fast. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these top drivers are, yeah, without co-driver right now because I think they're trying to figure out how the heck can they get them over to this country uh, when they're a cross-border co-driver. Um, I don't know, maybe they'll have exceptions for athletes. I know they're working mm-hmm. on that kind of thing for yeah. some types of sports, but will motorsports work into that? 
I'm also wondering from the media side, you know, Subaru yeah. Motorsports has got their, you know, everything that's being filmed w w with our friends over at um, Launch Control, and they're all Canadian, you mm -hmm. know? So, I mean, there's a number of the camera guys live here in, in the U.S., actually some of them right here in Oregon, but, you know, a, a key amount of the people also come from Canada, and so it'll be interesting to see, I guess, how that plays out. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. I I don't know. I mean, it's like it's it really is a totally strange, totally strange situation. And you were mentioning things there that that I'd never even considered. You know, I hadn't I hadn't thought of that either. And it might be a good time for some of the up and coming co drivers to send some messages to these teams and say, hey, if you are in a pinch, why don't you try throwing me in for some of these shorter event we're seeing and give me an opportunity you know uh, and then this could also change at the last minute maybe you know talk about your availability because you never know what uh state or region that uh, that one of the drivers or co-drivers especially are in that suddenly could revert back um mm -hmm. we had an area here in oregon where um a rural area that suddenly had a whole bunch of cases came come up and yeah. they're actually the most infected part of our state now. Um, and they went from being a phase two back to a phase one uh, of the of the lockdown stuff. And that could happen anywhere where people are then they get into an even more strict maybe than that if something mm. really spikes bad. So, yeah, it's just interesting times and figuring out how we're going to handle this. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to bring up is... How are you going to, I guess, handle yourself? I mean, you're already wearing a helmet, I guess, when you, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't expect you to be wearing a face mask while you're trying to call notes, because that wouldn't mm -hmm. work terribly well. Um, but I guess, what other things are you thinking you're going to do to try and combat the spread while you're competing? You know, just staying with our service area and kind of mm -hmm. sticking to our own bubble, um, carry some extra sanitizer in the rally car, if we do come in contact with anything, you know, I am trying to take this serious with my son in the house now, you know, that's mm -hmm. all new to me having to worry about not just me and the wife, but so I think just the whole social distancing, it it's working and I'm going to just keep doing my best to stay on my side of the office and not be too much of a social butterfly chatting with everyone, exposing myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, and something that's going to, really suffer for rally is park expose because that's where the fans can really get up close and personal and with the competitors and you know and you know we look going, forward to that. Get that no and the competitors look forward to that and yeah if, and sometimes the regional guys look forward to it more than the national guys mm-hmm and I know STPR, I look forward to it every year because that's where my wife's family's from. So I get to see all my nieces and nephews, and they love climbing through the cars. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about some fun stuff. <laughs> Tell me your favorite stage that you've done as a driver. Like, what was it like? Where was it? Best stage ever so far. Hmm. That's a tough one. And I've only done a, a few events compared to some drivers. I can't pinpoint it, but I will say any of the forest stages at STPR 
just absolutely, I love it. You know, there's some stages with drop-offs, there's some with little risk and room for pushing. It's just a good event, and those roads are fast and flowing, so that I can't pick one stage, though. So if you can't pick a favorite stage, can you pick a favorite rally, then, that you've got? SDPR, for sure. Really? What yeah. is it about STP? Is it, it, like you said, it's just the fact that the, the variation? I like their, you know, the park expose. I, the whole event works well, and I, I like the fairgrounds. I know they don't do that anymore, but I've always liked the head-to-head aspect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was there when they did that and uh, for one of them. Um, it just got really rutted out. Being a rally, rally crosser, that never bothered me too much, and I, I was up pretty far up on two wheels one year from those ruts and didn't seem to bother me one bit. <laughs> uh, so there's a love hate relationship with the uh, waste management stage um, that they're using the roads in there. What's your opinion of that? I love the jump. I hate the twisty back and forth with a front wheel drive underpowered golf. It's just a very hands on w- steering like crazy hoping we can get enough momentum to get that ascent around the corners and it's just a car breaker you know i've lost ball joints in there maybe because i like to really send it over the jump but i I think it's a lot more that twisty stuff doesn't like our stock ball joints so we're still working on stuff like that for upgrades and we like the rough stages thrown in to help us find the weak links well, I guess that's one of the things that, you know, I, I kind of bring up with this is, you know, the people that love that those stages in there, including the rough, rocky stuff, they're like, hey, this is where, you know, kind of classic rallying, you have to drive to the conditions and the roughness is a condition you have to adapt to. So where normally you're flying and you're trying to slide around, you can't really do that there and you shouldn't be doing that there. Yep. I think if I had an all-wheel drive car or even a real drive, something that I could get through the real twisty stuff, just a little little more momentum. It doesn't need to be fast, but I, I don't like the no momentum with my front-wheel drive through there. If it's like threes and up, I'm a fan of it, but the, the back-and-forth twos with no distance to gain my momentum again yeah. is very difficult to me. I hear you. That makes sense. So... I'm just going through your old records here at EWRC Resort. Yeah, I actually pulled them up too. Yeah. So I'm seeing that, and being a truck guy, this just like jumped out at me. In 2012, you were running in a, a Nissan Frontier? Yes. Damn so what was that? I mean, as a truck guy, I really like to know what it's like for other guys running trucks in stage rallies. Because I, I, I've noticed that lately on the Facebook pages for the rally, there's been a lot of people have been thinking, oh, hey, maybe I should try a truck for rally. And there used to be a lot of trucks for rally in SCCA days. And I'm just wondering if uh, the time is right for like the truck to return. I think the right platform is definitely a good start. You know, some trucks, the... The trucks we're seeing on the streets these days are clearly too big, but way too big. Even what they consider yeah. a you know a compact or a small truck now is massive. They're they're double the size what the S10 that you're in, Ian. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 
it kind of worked. So when we ran that truck at New England Forest Rally, it was a friend and he had kind of offered it up. He had been running it for a few years and we were lucky enough to run it. And I don't know if it was to help him kind of prove the truck's capability or just work through anything, but it was a fun event. He had massive suspension put into that because he's, he's kind of a desert slash rally side he does tries to get into both of it um so the the rocks at nefr i was able to hold my lines and just the the truck ate those rocks up where with cars i'd have to lift and trying to avoid rocks and it benefited you know we had clean times no issues and we just my brother that was our big event code he co-drove for me that year and we just had a blast and sailed that thing nice and smooth to, I think that was second overall regional for the weekend in group mm-hmm. two. Yep. Yeah. So what year was that Nissan Frontier? Because my experience with Nissan Frontiers when uh, <laughs> going to rallies and using them uh, as uh, a vehicle we got around in media stuff, uh, especially me and Matt, those things, no matter, they had the worst turning radius of any vehicle I've ever had or been <laughs> in in my life. <laughs> I want to say it was a 2000. Eight, but it, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but I would agree, turning radius was uh, half that of a school bus plus some. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely made it so you know the e brake in that was not a hydraulic e brake. Nor did I really want to go e braking with his truck and ruining diffs. I that was a you break it by it type of weekend. So. We were out there having fun, throwing the biggest pendulums we could, giggling ourselves away, and we were making it work somehow. And every time we got around those hairpins at NEFR, where you go around the island a couple times, we would just laugh that we even made it through. Because my brother has co-driven in that truck in the past, and they've had to actually back up and make some hairpins out in New York. And A perfect vehicle for practicing Scandinavian flicks. <laughs> There we go. Get a Nissan mm-hmm. Frontier. If you want to practice your Scandinavian flicks, you don't have a choice because you're going to have to learn it. There you go. I like it. <laughs> it's a whole lot quicker than reverse. <laughs> so you're going to be going to Southern Ohio, and from there, uh, what's what's the next event? I guess you plan on doing again. So we've got Southern Ohio, and then rounding out this year is going to be SDPR. And that's both in the co-driver's seat for Lewis Texera. Mm -hmm. Next thing on my calendar to drive is was supposed to be this July, the Mount Washington Hill Climb. But they pushed that off till 2021. So we're still in. We're still planning on racing. Just putting it off a year. Have you done the hill climb before? I've co-driven in 2014. That's when they had the rally class. That's right. Yeah, I co-drove for Ryan Wilcox. And then 2017, the car wasn't ready, so we were not able to attend. And 2011, I was supposed to run with Fast Eddie, um, who's now with ODD Racing. Mm-hmm. And that also didn't end up happening in the car. Just, we just didn't have it ready in time. So what do you, who do you plan on uh, going with, or you plan on driving when it comes to uh, Oh, no, that's, that's me and the glory on that one. I'm driving. <laughs> oh, yeah. My Volkswagen mm-hmm. Rally Golf, and my wife will be jumping in the co-driver's seat. I love it. And we've got strict orders to behave above tree line from our son. 
<laughs> well, you mentioned this, the uh, growing uh, Bellevue Boys uh, racing team. Tell us uh, about the uh, new addition to the family. It sounds like it's rather recent. Yeah, our son Xander, he's seven months old now. Um, just starting to babble and get crawling, so things are getting exciting. You know, he sees me playing the racing sim, and he wants to come sit on my lap, but still a little early for that. But in due time, we will have him behind a wheel. Awesome. Get him started young. I love it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like refreshing to hear you, Jamie, there with your with your new boy. And you've got like a totally different viewpoint to this. I mean, here, here are Mike and I beating on ourselves for like missing rally so much and you've got oh i got my new boy that's great you know <laughs> you put it you put it in perspective for us yeah the important thing i think i'm kind of following my father's footsteps a little you know when i was young and he started seeing how much i like this mm-hmm. that might have been what drove him to start some of these programs yeah just to give me the easy access and now that i'm down here in north carolina we don't have much of a a rally cross program or even a rally sprint program. And he's already emailing me contacts for people that are reaching out saying, Hey, we've got land in Georgia. How far are you from this? So I think I'm going to start, you know, I might not have money to build a second car right now for us to have down here, but if I can have a, a good solid rally cross and rally sprint series in 16 years from now, then I'll be ready for a second BBR car and me and my boy to build our car. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. So bring the event to me and then bring the cars. Uh-huh. Well, I just love the enthusiasm for creating events, for uh, getting involved on that side of it, because it is very hard. It's a lot of dedication. Um, obviously, you've done some of that work with TSD creations and things like that that you've done. So you know a little bit about the organizing side. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've helped, uh, my dad's done a lot for NEFR. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so I've, I've seen a lot of the organizing side and what I don't know, I just email him and say, Hey, mm-hmm. what's that I'm missing? And, and that's been a great help. And, and a lot of it's just relationship building, you know, um, that with the landowners, with if, whether it's a DNR or whatever it is, your forest uh, management people, um, and just, most of them just don't know what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. all about just like, OK, here here's our plan. We, we want to run on your roads. We're, yeah, they're going to get beat up, but we, pay, we we would pay to have them fixed. That's what the entry fee is for. Um, yeah. Are you dangerous? Well, I mean, any racing is dangerous, but here's our safety plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got all these different things that, you know, if you could explain it, it's like becomes a no brainer. And then on top of yeah. it, it's like this is marketing for people to come out to your area. These are areas that are rural that most people don't come and visit. It's just a, a signpost as they're driving on the highway and they don't stop. This gets people to see your area mm-hmm. and yeah. experience it and they're going to want to come back. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's all I, how I've, you sell it. Yeah. I've seen some of the best countryside that I've, that I've seen here in Minnesota on TSDs on, 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 on well yeah, on TSDs and even on stage rallies as well mm-hmm. you know I mean just like you will you will know Mike you've been up here for a Ojibwe and you oh, have yeah. seen Mackenzie Lake with mm-hmm. the with the causeway I mean oh that, man yeah God. that's and I mean that's driving those roads and, and those ones are if, if they weren't so like sandy loam and they've run out mm-hmm. 
the yeah. roads themselves are very much like uh, Thousand Lakes, Finland yeah. kind of yeah. stuff. They're so, constantly yeah. undulating up and down. Uh, more narrow, I guess I would should say, with Finland. But the, like, yeah. but the constant motion through those is... Mm. Oh man, the rhythm yeah. you can get at Ojibwe is my favorite. Yeah, yeah. We are we are so lucky. Rally 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 drivers and co drivers, we are so lucky. We get to see we get to see so much that other people can't see and we get a we get a whole new ex way to look at look at the landscape. Yeah. I that's something I've always thought about our sport. We get to see things that you can talk to some locals and they don't even know what you're mm-hmm. talking about yeah. for views. Yeah. I will say West Western event. Um, which one is it with Mount Hood in the background of all the pictures? That's Oregon Trail. That's Oregon my home. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. That's your event. That's mm-hmm. been a bucket list item. Is I want that picture yeah. of my BBR yellow bolt. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Twenty years down the road, when that car is barely going to make it through, but it just—I've always wanted to hit the West Coast and get that picture. Oh yeah, I—I I, I hear you. I was—I was supposed to do Oregon Trail this year. And yeah, I was looking for, I, I really, really was. I was looking forward to somebody taking a picture of the car that I was in with the mountain, with the Mount Hood in the background, with the car with four wheels off the ground, about five feet in the air. And I mean, I would have retired then if I'd have got that picture, I think. <laughs> it does make for a great image, but uh, Dallas Mountain, though, that road with the view down into the Columbia Gorge, I don't know, that that's a... I don't know which one's better, to be honest. I mean, the jump is amazing. It is, but I've seen it a million times. And But when you can look down to that gorge and the cars crawling up that hill and you can see them for a long ways away, that and you, right there yeah. is special. And you, and because you're local, you can see so many different, different, different things about it. You know, it's like Jamie and I, we just want our picture in front of Mount Hood. <laughs> enough, yeah, but enough. you can say but what about this and what about yeah. this yeah mount hood just scratches the surface yep it's the iconic picture from that event that everyone remembers and yeah. you know i must say that i'm impressed and excited at the number of entries that are in southern ohio even though it's a mm-hmm. one-day event yes on two roads that gives me so much hope that our sport is still healthy yeah. i think it very healthy at the moment, yeah. especially with all these pesky fiestas coming over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what's I, your probably... opinion of those, uh, you know, purpose-built, you know, uh, rally cars come from M Sport? I think they're amazing. I don't care if it's the R2 or the R5. It's just an amazing platform. I've been in the R2s a little bit back when I worked at Timo. I haven't gotten to sit in a R5 at speed. But I can only imagine, and mm-hmm. I can keep dreaming. <laughs> I, think yeah. the, uh, I think the U.S. needs some type of a a feeder that the the best regional result of the year gets one drive in an R5 or something. That would be pretty darn cool. Yeah, that, that, I like that, that idea. That's, that's, an, that's an interesting, interesting one. point of view, isn't it? Because even, even an R2, yeah. we'd be happy with that opportunity. Because they have that structured championship level in europe don't they where you can like enter a competition and then you will get a next level entry that's the kind of thing we need really here you know i think when we've got that kind of level of structure 
in this country we can really say we can kind of say that like rally has really arrived because the structure is there to support you from one level to the next yes it, it's taken a long time to you know obviously went through all this turmoil the split the reunification kind of thing the events are kind of all working together again and the build-up now like we said we've seen these levels of all these you know these events uh getting packed full maybe we add even more events i think that is kind of where we're seeing where, where it could go you just can't get there until you build it all right mm-hmm. yeah. um you can't i mean as much as you'd like to have that first and then that draws people in yeah american rallying just isn't at that financial stability to create it on the fly with not enough sponsors just not enough well-known that they could start with that program and then people hopefully come into it it's build it all up and then maybe find a way to integrate something yeah and so i think we're still got a little bit longer to go in this build-up phase but boy it feels like we're close we're knocking on the door of something but i like the idea though just like you know if there was a way to do a single event or a test uh, you know that's some of the things that they also do you know in those uh events in europe they'll have where yeah you win this lower level championship thing and you get a test day in a r5 mm-hmm. or you get a yeah. um a one event you know in a, in a full factory back dish uh, r2 or whatever it is i i really like that idea where there's at least some sort of tangible reward mm-hmm. for yeah winning a regional championship yeah because you know it gives the regional guys that come out and reason to spend more money on more events versus for me example i used to only target new england forest and sdpr because they were the closest events that made it financially but if i knew at the end of the year that if i went to one more event that was a little further out and that gave me the opportunity to possibly win you know a drive in an r2 or something better would I weigh my options and say, heck yeah, I'm going to go for it? Of course I would. Whether Rally's building in the U.S., I, I think we're definitely building toward the direction we need to go. And I've noticed even right here, and I'm in a kind of small area in North Carolina, south of Jacksonville, and I wear my T-Mo hat a lot, and I get people at gas stations, even females, which I think is good, that recognize that type of stuff now. And, and that's wow. the direction. Wow. You know, I walked into a, a gas stop the other day, and she said, Team O'Neill, that, that's that race school up in New Hampshire where we rally stuff. I said, yeah, how'd you hear that? And I think she had saw something on the GRC at one point when they were down in the Carolinas. But still, it's good that people are recognizing rally. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is awesome. That's the kind of stuff we want to hear is that it's starting to become, you know, common I've got a coworker that his dad has taken classes at Team O'Neill, and I, I mean, I know how far our reach is, but they're not even a motorsports family. So the fact that this guy has gone to New Hampshire from North Carolina to take a class, mm-hmm. that's cool stuff to me. You know, there's not a lot of motorsports going on right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's slowly, you know, building up. NASCAR's kind of doing yeah. its thing, but yep. maybe this will make Rally also get more in the headlines. The fact yeah. that we're coming back. Mm-hmm. with an event here soon um while other things are still in hiatus one of the things with sport in general is there's so many it's easy for people to divert their eyes to something else and if there's fewer events then maybe we can get some of those eyes looking at what rally is mm-hmm. yeah i hadn't thought of it that way yeah i mean i'm coming away from this little this little chat very positive you know because yeah i mean it's like I said before, you know, we 
been in this like void for like months and to to just be with you two guys like talking so positively and exciting excitedly about it you know that that makes me feel really good you mean you 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 you're, you're mentioning things that I hadn't even thought about you know so yeah I'm feeling really good right now <laughs> Or maybe that's the nine point three percent beer that I'm talking. That's talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm going to have to meet you on the uh, on the sim racing again. I haven't done it for uh, probably a little over a month now. I've been just doing other things, and you know, even though this thing this lockdown's going on, I'm I'm still working more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> IT guys, our job doesn't stop. So. Yeah, I worked straight through. I'm a mechanic at a power sports company right now, so we were able to stay running. Good. A lot of people I know, more people are still working than those that aren't, and uh, that's I'm very thankful for that. Um, Yeah. A lot of people are hurting right now, but it's great to see that still a lot of people are still working as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully things can get back to normal soon. I just can't wait to get back in in the silly seat i couldn't agree more a lot of us didn't realize how important sport in general was in our lives yeah until it was gone for sure absolutely yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter what kind of sport it was whether it was soccer or baseball or or what have you you know it's we, we really have missed it on so many levels, whether it's been a competitor, just as a competitor or a spectator. You know, I was watching the news today and with the, the past few days, and we're talking about America's pastime baseball. You know, I mean, I, I don't honestly care much for baseball, but to watch the report, the news reports, and to see how much the, comp- the country is missing baseball, that's it's quite sobering. We we really we really do depend on sport a lot. Uh, I don't really watch too much of the TV these days. Partially busy life, and the other part being, I just try to avoid some of the the media. Mm-hmm. So I haven't actually noticed. I mean, I know there's not professional sports going on, but yeah. how it affects people, and I haven't noticed that side of it. Um, I do know I've seen a lot more people out walking their dogs ever since COVID hit than ever before. <laughs> That's actually one of the positives, right? Yeah. So, so uh-huh. it's like on the one side, we've like we've all missed sport, um, and, and me too, and, and of course, especially motorsport, because that's just always been my thing. But, um, but yeah, you're right. At the same time, the amount of people I've been seeing outside, uh, getting out doing stuff, uh, you know, in a social distance fashion, it's been great, and I hope they continue yeah. to do that going forward. And it, it just kind of spurs them on that they can find enjoyment without sitting in front of an idiot box, you know, and and, and absorbing a bunch of electrons. It kind of has been great, but I've been out on my bike, as like we like we said, I've and there's been so many people on the bike trail. It's just been a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, I'm like try. I'm like dodging all these people on the bike trail that weren't there last year. That's why you need a bike with a motor. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You can just get right by them. 
Well, Jamie, good luck at Southern Ohio. We'll definitely be uh, paying attention to what's going on there. Uh, I'm not going there, uh, as far as I know. <laughs> the media side of things, that's kind of all been flipped around, but uh, I wasn't scheduled to go to Southern Ohio anyways. But uh, good luck there. Hope all goes well. Um, is there anything, uh, I guess, last words you want to tell to our uh, fans so they can uh, get to know Jamie Beliveau and Beliveau Boys a little bit better? How do they follow you and, and all that stuff? Uh, definitely head over to Facebook and search us up, Bellavo Boys Racing. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. We're trying to get stronger with both of those. YouTube's been a little slow without events lately, so there's no new videos. But we can always use the followers. That always helps with sponsor hunting for sure. Excellent. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, make sure you follow Bellavo, Bellavo Boys Racing as well as, of course, give us a like and a follow. You know, we always appreciate that. Again, this is another episode of the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. It's always also a big help if you give us a, a, one of those five-star ratings on iTunes. iTunes kind of is the trigger for people to follow more, so that means other people will find our podcast and listen to it too. So we'd really appreciate that. Of course, give us a good rating on whatever platform you listen to. I'm certainly not Apple-specific, but uh, anyways... I'm your host, Mike Shaw, for Ian Holmes and for Jamie Beliveau. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and stay safe.